So praise God for that story. It's God's power at work in our lives. Today we're going to continue our series, Experience God's Power. The Bible begins in the book of Genesis with the account of God creating the universe, creating our world, a supernatural act, creating the things that we see with our eyes, that we can touch with our hands from nothing, simply by his word. The Bible ends with the promise of Jesus' supernatural return to this earth. That's how everything is going to wrap up and we'll enter into eternity. And in between, in between Genesis and Revelation, we see God being supernaturally involved with the community of believers, with those who believe in him and those who trust him. God reveals his plans to his prophets. He works miracles for those with faith. And so the Bible records a, a God who's interacting with his creation, who's interacting with his people supernaturally all the way through from the time of creation until Jesus returns again. And so at Life Church, we believe that the Bible teaches we can experience God's power today through faith. Now this morning, our message is entitled, Jesus and Miracles. I encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the scriptures written out, as well as the outline. On the back, uh, we've uh, revived our study guide questions. And these are for you to take home and dig in a little more deeply. And I'll just add, if you don't know the answer to a question, you can email me. Okay, some of the questions, uh, I put some harder ones in there. So if you don't know the answer to the question, you can email me if you're not sure and, and see what I have to say about that. So we're studying Jesus and miracles. When we look at the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that Jesus' ministry can be characterized by two things. First of all, he preached the truth of God's word. He taught about God. He taught about what God said. He taught about God's plan for people's lives. That was the first thing he did. Secondly, he performed miracles through the power of the Spirit. All kinds of miracles. Those are the two basic things that Jesus did. He taught and he performed miracles. Jesus himself summarized his ministry with a quote from the prophet Isaiah written about the Messiah in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. This is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He read these words to the people to tell them what was going to happen through his ministry. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And as we read what Jesus did, as we go through the Gospels, we see that's exactly what he did. He preached the good news, and he performed miracles of healing and deliverance from evil spirits. Those were the two main things that Jesus did. Jesus said in John 14, verse 11, he said, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. And so Jesus said to his followers and to us today, we should believe what he said. But if we have difficulty with that, we should believe on the evidence of the miracles that he performed. He performed many miracles during his ministry. And so this combination of the truth of God and the power of the Spirit, the miracle-working power of the Spirit, authenticated Jesus as being from God himself. Now, we need to be careful here, and we'll talk about this in a number of Sundays in the future, but miracles by themselves are not a sure sign that someone is from God. 
Miracles by themselves are not a sure sign that a person is from God. Jesus himself warned us in Matthew 7, 22. He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And so here were people who were performing miracles, even performing miracles in Jesus' name, but they did not obey God's commands. They were not speaking God's truth. If you read the whole passage, they were false prophets. And so miracles by themselves are not a sure sign that a person is from God. But speaking the truth of God's word and miracles are a sign. And so today we're going to look at how Jesus convinces one of his disciples who was doubting about Jesus, that he was the Messiah, how Jesus convinced him. So let's begin our story from Luke chapter 7, uh, where we're going to see Jesus working a miracle, showing that he has power over death. What's the greatest miracle? Well, you might argue that it's raising somebody from the dead. I mean, to me, that seems pretty difficult. Okay, we have one person who agrees. You know, you can pray for somebody to be healed from a cold, and they get better. Praise God. You can heal, pray for somebody to be healed from a broken leg, and they get better. You can pray for somebody to be healed from cancer. Now, that's a lot more difficult, and God heals them. That's great. But when somebody's dead, that, that is a great, great miracle. Now, Jesus wasn't the only one who raised people from the dead. In the Old Testament, the prophets Elijah and Elisha raised children from the dead. Today we're going to see an example of Jesus raising someone from the dead. Our story begins in Luke 7:11. It said, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. So Jesus was traveling from town to town, and his disciples were following him. His fame was growing, and as he went into a new town, Crowds of people followed along or gathered in the new town. Why did they gather? Because, first of all, they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. They wanted to hear him teach about God. And secondly, they wanted to see or to receive the miracles that Jesus did. And so those were the two things that attracted the crowds to Jesus. But something unusual happened as Jesus entered the town of Nain. And we're going to see that Jesus' miracles were motivated by his compassion Okay, my clicker is not working. But you have your white sheets. There we go. Verse 12. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. And so Jesus is greeted by a dead person being carried out to his place of burial. A young man had unexpectedly died. And not only was this a tragedy because a young man had died far too soon, but he was an only son. And he, not only that, but his mother was a widow. She had no husband. Her husband had died. And so it was a, a double tragedy. Not only was the loss emotional, her only son had died, but in those days... Widows found it very difficult to support themselves. They needed a man to support them, and her son would have been her sole support. And now he 
was gone. And so when Jesus saw the situation, he had compassion on the mother, on this widow. Her, his heart went out to her and he, he spoke to her kindly. And so we see that this is just one example. Jesus' miracles were not done to increase his fame. Jesus' miracles were done out of the compassion of his heart. They were done out of a desire to meet a need. They were done out of his great love for people. So let's see what Jesus did. Well, Jesus' command raised the dead. Verse 14, then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up. Now, that's, those four words are quite shocking, aren't they? The dead man sat up. Dead men don't sit up, do they? But this dead man did and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. You know, I was thinking, you know, how does a command to a dead person work? You know, young man, sit up. Can't hear you. But when Jesus spoke the command, the young man, the dead man, revived. Jesus' words and perhaps even his touch on the coffin released the power of the Spirit into that young man's dead body and revived it, brought it back to life, and healed it of whatever caused the guy to die, right? Something caused him to die. And so brought him back to life and healed him. And was, Jesus gave the son back to his mother erasing her grief and filling her with joy once again. And what was the result of Jesus' miracle? Well, it brought praise to God. It says of the crowds that saw this great miracle, they were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. The news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. The people were in awe. They understood that something very special had happened. People raised, being raised from the dead doesn't happen every day. It, it doesn't happen very often, ever. In the Old Testament, there's only three accounts of somebody being raised from the dead. They were all children, in fact, in the Old Testament. They understood that a wonderful miracle had happened and they began to praise God for his great power. They understood that Jesus, that in Jesus, God was coming to help his people. He certainly helped this widow whose son had passed away. And they believed that Jesus was a great prophet. And that's certainly true. Jesus was a great prophet, the greatest of prophets, but he was much more. Now, as I said before, in the old Testament, there are three examples of someone being raised from the dead. The prophet Elijah also raised a widow's son, interestingly, from the dead. Now, the fact that Elijah raised somebody from the dead, the Old Testament did not prove that he was the Messiah. He certainly was not. And nor did the fact that Jesus raised this youth in and of itself prove that he was the Messiah. And yet it was part of the overwhelming evidence taken all together that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah. And the crowd that witnessed this miracle began to spread the story. I mean, if you saw something like that, would you want to tell somebody else? Yeah, it'd be all over Facebook, right? Tw Twitter would go mad. You'd be telling all kinds of people. And they did that, not with those wonderful things that we have today, but through word of mouth. But it worked just as well. And everybody began to know that Jesus had power over death. Now, as we read through the Gospels, we see that 
we see that uh, Jesus raised three people from the dead and finally was raised himself from the dead. And yet we see in Matthew chapter 10, verse 12, Jesus gave his disciples instructions to raise the dead. And we see two examples of that in the book of Acts. Both Peter and Paul raised someone from the dead. And so even this greatest of miracles was not reserved for Jesus alone. We have prophets in the Old Testament raising people from the dead. We have followers of Jesus in the book of Acts raising people from the dead. We see in Acts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one of the gifts of the Spirit is the working of miracles. Certainly raising someone from the dead is one example of a miracle. And we see both apostles and those who are not apostles working miracles in the book of Acts. And so the power of God continues to this day. Now, could somebody, could God raise someone from the dead today? Of course he could. Nothing is impossible for God. But it's a great miracle. In the Bible, we only have a handful of recorded instances. It's just not like, even in Jesus' day, he didn't go into the morgue and raise everybody up, did he? Now, if God raised someone from the dead today, would everybody rush and get saved? Is that what happened when Jesus raised a couple people from the dead? Did everybody in Israel come and believe because people were raised from the dead? The answer is no. The majority of the Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah, even though he raised people from the dead. And for those of you who remember, back in January 2015 we reported on a story of a 14-year-old boy, his name was John Smith, in St. Charles, right here in St. Louis area, who fell through the ice in a lake and was drowned, was dead for over 45 minutes. Uh, they pulled him out, wasn't breathing, took him to, nothing was happening. Eventually, his mother prayed over him, and all of a sudden, he came back to life. This was on all the news. How many people heard about the story of John Smith? Do you remember? Okay. Uh, I believe that was a bona fide example of God raising somebody from the dead. Even the doctors themselves said, this is a miracle. This cannot be medically explained. Now, did all of St. Louis turn to Jesus because it happened? No. Did some people get saved because of it? Yeah, there were people that came and questioned about it and, and began to, to seek after God, and God used that. But if God can still raise the dead, if he still has that power, which the Bible teaches that he does, then surely he can take care of the smaller issues that you and I face day in and day out. And sometimes we think these smaller issues are so big, God can't possibly do anything about it. But God is a miracle-working God. And as we take our issues to him, as we pray, he is a God of miracles. Yesterday, today, and until Jesus returns Again, And so let's believe that and let God use us to show his compassion to those who are in need. Asking him to work miracles in people's lives so that they can see the power of God and his love can be shown to them. Miracles actually can strengthen people's faith. Not only do Jesus, do, did, well, not only do God's miracles arouse arouse interest in unbelievers, they can also strengthen the faith of believers. Now let's give a little background 
uh, before we continue on with our passage today. Shortly after the ministry that Jesus began, John the Baptist, who had announced the ministry of Jesus, was imprisoned by King Herod. John had preached a message of repentance, for the judgment of God was coming. But he preached things that the king didn't like, like you shouldn't have married your brother's daughter, I mean your brother's wife. That was wrong. So John preached that, and King Herod didn't like it. He put him in prison, and he was, uh, John the Baptist was in prison at this time. Undoubtedly, John thought that Jesus would, was the Messiah. He thought that Jesus would come, he'd overthrow the Roman government, and perhaps do something to King Herod, who was really not a good guy. And God's judgment would come, and Jesus would reign as the Messiah. But that didn't seem to be happening. The reports that were coming back to John didn't say anything about Jesus judging or speaking against the king. Didn't say anything about God's judgment falling on some of the sinful practices that were going on. And so it seemed that John began to doubt that Jesus was the Messiah. Verse 18, it says, John's disciples told him about all these things. Now that immediately follows our story about Jesus raising the dead widow's son. And so John's disciples told him about that and other things that Jesus was doing. Calling two of them, he, that is John, sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? John was beginning to doubt. And so he sent these messengers to question Jesus about what was going on. This didn't seem to add up to him. This is not what he thought God was saying to him. He was preaching for people to repent. That was the message God had given him because God's judgment was coming. People repented, but where was the judgment? He thought the judgment would come when Jesus the Messiah appeared. So let's see how Jesus answered John's messengers. He's going to basically say that his miracles authenticated him. Verse 21, at that very time, at the very time the messengers of John came to Jesus, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. Now that's quite a list, isn't it? I mean, those are some notable miracles. Healing diseases, sicknesses, Evil spirits giving sight to those who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And so as these messengers from John came, Jesus was in the midst of ministering to people's needs, people who were sick. People who had long-term diseases, people who were tormented, oppressed, possessed by evil spirits, people who were blind and couldn't see, people who were lame and couldn't walk, people who had leprosy and were considered unclean. And so Jesus said, look, messengers from John, look at what I'm doing and then report back to John about all of these things. I'm even causing the deaf to hear. The dead have been raised. And all of these miracles Jesus performed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now notice the last thing that Jesus said. He said, and the good news is preached to the poor. The good news is preached 
to the poor. And so Jesus' ministry was not authenticated just by the miracles. They were authenticated, his ministry was authenticated by the miracles and the preaching of the good news. That he truly was from God. And together these signs from God that Jesus indeed was the Messiah are the signs that John had been looking for. And so finally, Jesus wanted John and his disciples to realize that we're living in an age of miracles, not judgment. The passage ends with this verse in 23. Jesus said to the messengers, Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And I believe what Jesus is saying here, he's, he's telling John not to fall away, not to be offended because God's judgment isn't falling. Not to fall away, not to be offended because it isn't happening exactly the way he thought it was supposed to happen. Jesus is saying he did not come to bring judgment on his first coming. Jesus came to this earth to bring good news. He came to bring salvation. He, he came to bring the gospel to those who did not yet know God, to those who needed his help. Now the judgment that John saw that was coming would indeed come one day. The judgment that John saw that he prophesied was coming, but it is in the distant future. In fact, it's in the future for us as well. And that judgment is coming when Jesus returns the second time. And so John, you and I, we today live in the era of grace, the age of the gospel, the age of miracles, miracles of God that bring blessing, healing, and deliverance into people's lives. And so basically... Between Jesus' first and second coming, we live in the age, what I'm certainly not original to this, of the already and not yet with regard to the kingdom of God. We already have the blessing of salvation. We have the blessing of the power of the Holy Spirit who can operate to bring healing, to bring deliverance, to bring miracles in people's lives. And yet, the kingdom of God is not here in full expression, is it? All the dead are not raised. That's pretty easy to see. Jesus only raised three people and himself. Now, when will all the dead be raised? When Jesus returns again. All of the dead are going to be raised up. That's when the kingdom is going to come in its fullness. Some churches believe that the blessings of the kingdom in Jesus' ministry, that we see in Jesus' ministry, are no longer available to us. But that's not what the Bible teaches. If we believe what Jesus taught, we can experience miracles today just as in the times of Jesus. Now, a miracle is a miracle, right? It's not something that occurs every day. It's a special act of God, a supernatural act of God that breaks into the way of things which normally happen. And so, miracles do not happen every day. Other churches believe that believers can bring in the fullness of the kingdom now, that everybody can be healed if we just had faith enough. Everybody, we could raise all the dead, go into the morgues and raise everybody from the dead if we just had faith enough. Some believe that Christians should be in leadership in every country and that the kingdom of God is to take political power, but that is not what the Bible teaches. We live in an in-between age, the age of the already, and not yet. The kingdom has not come in its fullness, but the kingdom has arrived. It is coming. We, are, we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not just way off in the future. It is happening now, but it's not going to happen in fullness until Jesus returns again.
And in this age, the age before Jesus returns, true churches and true believers will be authenticated just as the early church was. By the truth of God's word being spoken, being proclaimed, being taught, and by the power of the Spirit working through them to bless people's lives. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Luke writes, In my former book, which was the Gospel of Luke, which we were studying today, in my former book, the book of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. The Gospel records the acts of Jesus. But it says that was what Jesus began to do and teach. And in the book of Acts, Luke writes about what Jesus continued to do and teach. Now, did Jesus work any miracles in the book of Acts directly? No. By the end of Acts chapter 1, he descended into heaven. Where were the miracles that Jesus did? Where, where were the things that he taught in the book of Acts? Well, Jesus continued to do and work miracles and teach the gospel through the believers in his church. And that is the pattern that continues to this day. And so may each one of us be committed to doing the work of Jesus and teaching the truth of Jesus to everyone that we meet. Now the first step in having a relationship with Jesus Christ is to admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things, that you haven't been following God's plan for your life. Second step is to believe. To put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, asking Him to forgive your sins. And finally, you commit your life to serving Him as your Lord. And if you do those three things, you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You enter into eternal life with Him. And I'd like to give you an opportunity to pray with me if you've never prayed a prayer like that before or if you'd like to recommit your life to Him this morning. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads right now and we're going to pray. Just pray along in your heart if you would like to, if God is drawing you, and God will do a wonderful work in your spirit. Father, say, some, uh, say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I haven't been doing what you want me to do. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven, and that he's alive today. Come into my life. I commit myself to following Jesus as my Lord, to doing the things that he tells me to do all the days of my life. Thank you for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.